and welcome to episode 31 of Superman Forever Radio. I am your mild-mannered host, J. David Weeder, and I am in a weird mood. Now, I had uh, an episode prepped up, mostly ready to go, just a few tweaks here and there, and we would have uploaded it. But here at the last minute, uh, being as which we haven't, you know, been raptured or witnessed the beginning of the end of the world, I'm feeling kind of personal. And it kind of stems from, uh, I was moving some books around on the shelves, and came across this book that I had as a child. I had to track it down as an adult since I no longer have it, but it just brought back a lot of memories. And uh, I don't know, I've been in a kind of a funk this weekend. So I decided uh, to kind of scrap that entire episode, which would have talked a little bit about Star Labs and Lobo. And we would have done Superman, the animated series, The Main Man, Part 1. Instead, I'm going to save all that till next week. Well, the week after, because next week's the live episode. And kind of go a little bit more personal this week. Kind of talk about some of my my Superman memories. Just to kind of, uh, I don't know, give a kind of a personal touch to this week. Kind of a personal touch to the podcast in general. And I've talked on several other places, including here, about my quote-unquote secret origin. But I've never told it in full. So what we're going to do is I'm going to play a quick promo. And we're going to do the news from the SFR Daily Planet. And I'll come back and tell my Superman memories. Before we do that, I do want to remind you, next week, next Sunday, May 29th, 6 p.m. Central, right here at supermanforever.com, will be the first live episode of Superman Forever Radio, in which we are talking about the Superman film franchise, primarily the first, uh, well, five, uh, Superman, Superman Returns, Superman 2, 3, and 4, The Quest for Peace, but also I will allow Superman and the Mole Men. I'm disqualifying the serials just on the account because that's an entirely different thing. And just to be clear, I'm, we're talking about it in general. I really want you guys to call in, be a part of the show. I'm really excited about that aspect because from day one I've always said I want this to be an interactive show. So do sh- you know call in even if you're you know maybe traveling or something. I know Charlie Niemeyer posted on the Facebook page that he may be traveling, but he may also tweet in. So highly appreciated, Charlie. So you can tweet me, you'll be able to come to supermanforever.com, and uh, you will see a chat box there. You'll be able to stream it directly from supermanforever.com's homepage, which is in the process of being upgraded a little bit, and you should start seeing some of those changes this week, if not right after this episode. But remember that is next week, and then June 5th we will come back with episode 34, and we will do both parts of the main man. We will talk extensively about Lobo. And then kind of do a Metropolis primer as we're heading right into that week. Kind of tell you where I'm going to be, what my plans are. So if you want to meet up with me, I'm going to have some homemade swag and uh, kind of want to pass those out. So if you want some swag and you're going to be in Metropolis, I will kind of give you an itinerary, a loose itinerary, since I can never really keep plans uh, beat for beat. And then we will work from there. Just let me know and get in touch with me. But uh, I'm prattling on a little bit as this episode's going to be a large prattle. And uh, so I'm going to play the promo. We're going to do the news and we'll come back and I'm going to talk about what I deem, what I dub, the secret origin of J. David Weeder, Superman fan. 
presenting the amazing Spider-Man Classics Podcast Year 2. Starring myself, John Wilson, along with Joshua Bertoni, Donovan Grant, and your favorite guest hosts of the comics podcasting community. Bringing you the classic 1960s adventures of Peter Parker, Mary Jane, Gwen Stacy, and the gang. As told by Stan Lee, John Romita, Don Heck, Jim Moody, John Buscema, and more. And to kick the year off, we're running a special episode in March with... Uh, uh, hold on, wait a second. Hey there, webheads. 12 months ago, a very special podcast came onto your iTunes feed. And to celebrate 12 months of that podcast being on your iTunes feed, we thought we'd take you on a special date to the movies. And what a movie it is! Why, it's about our very own webhead spinner Spider-Man, the first installment of Sam Raimi's Spider-Man trilogy, guest starring one of the Power Rangers. Oh boy, we're in for a good time. So strap yourself in, and here's the hosts. This isn't a way a podcast is supposed to work. Peter, you're seeing the Spider-Man Sam Raimi movie without me? Why, well, no, Betty, I'm seeing it with all my friends, the Amazing Spider-Man Classics listeners, and you're invited too. Even Liz Allen? Yes, Betty, even Liz Allen. Okay, as long as Ned can come. You know why I hate you, Leeds? Because you have a right to listen to this episode with Betty. The shadow of Spider-Man isn't standing between your earphones. Episode 28 kicks off the new year with an in-film commentary on the 2002 Sam Raimi Spider-Man film. And then we continue on in future episodes looking at the further adventures of Spider-Man, an amazing Spider-Man, spectacular Spider-Man, and every guest appearance and cameo we can find. Only at Amazing Spider-Man Classics, found on iTunes and at AmazingSpiderMan.Libsyn.com. We're sitting on top of the story of the century here. The ratings are in for Friday's Smallville finale. It seems an estimated 3 million people tuned in to watch Clark Kent don the tights and cape. Now, by contrast, the show's premiere on October 16th of 2011 fetched 8 million viewers. For those of you attending the Superman celebration in Metropolis, Illinois this June, who want to meet up with other fans, there are two meet-and-greets that I want to bring to your attention. One is the Superman homepage meet-and-greet, which, which will be held at 10.30 a.m. Friday, June 10, 2011, at the Hardee's, located at 601 Ferry Street, right off the main square where the festivities will be held. The event will be hosted by Lois Lane and Clark Kent, also known as Rhonda and Jamie Kelly, and will feature prizes and giveaways for everyone who shows up. And later that same day, from 11.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m., walk right over to the Dippin' Dots at 516 Market Street, right in the shadow of the Superman statue, for the Superman Super Sight meet-and-greet, hosted by Neil and Jennifer Cole, which will also have prizes and food. So, when in Metropolis, meet your fellow Superman fans, and celebrate two extremely awesome Superman websites, all in one fell swoop. And some sad news, as the world lost a Superman fan... Braden Tackett of Lancaster, Ohio, lost his battle with the rare uh, brain disease astrocytoma on Monday at the age of seven years old. Braden's grandmother, Connie Reynolds, was quoted in the Lancaster Eagle Gazette as saying he would run around with a cape all the time, saying he was Superman. When you ask where he got his Superman powers, he would look up toward the sun and say he was getting stronger. And Superman fans, we're a community. We're a community that believes in something inherently good and altruistic. So, send prayers or positive thoughts, whatever's in your arsenal, to Braden's family. They're going to need it. It's a very hard time. And that is the news, good and bad, that you missed on the SFR Daily Planet, which you can now find at sfr.supermanforever.com. And, of course, on iTunes. 
Come on, I have an idea that Batman should look into this. And don't forget Robin! As promised, so begins the story of how J. David Weider became a Superman fan and a Superman podcaster. It's almost the origin of this particular show, and it begins really, as I've mentioned on several shows, at the beginning. I don't know who gave me my first Superman comic. I do remember, you know, watching the Super Friends, and that's sort of my first introduction that I remember. But I think the moment that was the turning point for me was when going to the Little Red Schoolhouse, which was a preschool slash daycare that I went to, and this was this would make me about four years old. I was familiar with Superman through Super Friends, watched it every day. Always wondered why the Wonder Twins never morphed into Superman, but that was before I realized the motif of their powers. But I think the moment where it really changed was when the older kids would play. Uh, they would be elementary school age, third grade-ish, maybe to sixth grade. I know they were, they seemed much older and there was always one that was very charismatic, very much the one, the sort of the leader of the pack. And he would always propose that they play Superman. And I don't remember his name. I remember the girl's name that would be Lois was Wendy. And she too, she actually had the dark hair. So it kind of really was like an early proto Lois Lane. And the moment I realized that I wanted to be a part of this mythology, when this whole expansive world in Metropolis, Smallville, Krypton, kind of opened up, and I realized that I had to be a part of it, was the morning he walked into the playroom, looked at her and said, Wendy, I wore this just for you. And luckily, this was apparently a snap-button shirt, as those were popular in the late 70s, early 80s. Pops the shirt open, and there's the S-Shield. And I'm like, yes. So I was kind of... uh, kind of worm my way into playing with the with the older kids and unfortunately I had to be Jimmy Olsen and I you know I I did the best I could with it made a block for a camera but eventually I did go up a notch to Perry White so that was the the turning point when I was totally into Superman and uh, really just kind of continued from there Uh, watching Superboy on Bozo I was more of a Superboy fan than a Superman fan because Bozo would have uh, it would alternate. Um, every other day, be Superman or Superboy, and then later on in the episode, be a Batman cartoon. And these would be the filmation new adventures of. And Superboy had the dog. He was younger, so I was uh, kind of more. He resonated more with me at the time. Obviously, I've grown older. Things have changed. But uh, so there I was, jumping from couch to couch, pretending to be Superboy, following that, 
And uh, really, uh, the book that kind of spurned this whole, you know, completely uh, unwritten episode, really just wanting to, I don't know, maybe it's it's just been a long week and I'll have a long week ahead of me, but I just wanted to kind of sit back and just be me for a little bit. But I'm moving things around and I find this book from Fisher Price, I believe. It's called Superman from Krypton to Metropolis. And maybe it's not Fisher-Price, but I know the reason why I would think that is because I got this in Christmas of 1983 or 84. I know I was in first grade. And it. Uh, when looking at the book here, there's a spot in the back where something's been ripped off, just a perfect uh, square. That is where the tape would go. This was one of those wonderful books on tape uh, that would have the little chime every time you were to turn the page. And I reopened this just like, oh, this is great, because I had to track this down as an adult. And I could still hear the same voice actors <laughs> in my head. That's how many times I listened to this. And I actually got both of these. Uh, well, we got this book and Batman, The Curse of the Laughing Sphinx. And unfortunately, the copy I have, I had to track it down as an adult just to add to my collection for sentimental value. doesn't have the tape, and I have yet to find a copy of the tape. And maybe somewhere someone has digitized this. I don't know. If you know, please let me, please drop me a line because I would love to find this. But I just happened to sit down and flip it open and went through the whole book. And it really does follow everything. Krypton with the red sun, Jor-El and his green tunic with the sun on it, uh, telling the council what's going on, placing the baby in the rocket, the origin uh, where he lands on Earth, goes to the Smallville Orphanage. Probably one of my favorite origin stories. Uh, doesn't rewrite history, but it really just kind of lays out all of his powers. Talks about making his suit. Talks about him being Superboy. Uh, his animosity between Luthor, who had, you know, at that time it was more the Silver Age origin. And really a showdown with Luthor that is still kind of holds up. I know this is written for children, but I'm like, no, this is exactly what a Superman story should be. So if you uh, do get a chance to find this book, uh, Superman from Krypton to Metropolis, track it down. Just to give you an idea, uh, the story was by E. Nelson Bridwell, who I mentioned, I believe it was last episode, he was one of the editors and writers there, and has art by Ross Andrew, Adrian Gonzalez, Mike DiCarlo, and Gene D'Angelo. And the art is very reminiscent of the uh, Jose Garcia Lopez, uh, Dick Giordano style. So it's all top-notch, and I was just so happy. It brought back all these memories. And the reason I remember why I got this book and the Batman book that year was that I also got a Fisher-Price recorder. And that began what would eventually become this podcast in a, in a weird way, because I would do my own audio dramas. It came with a blank tape on one side, and then sort of a tutorial on the other, how to make sound effects, et cetera, et cetera. And I would actually make my own Superman uh, audio dramas. They, I mean, let's be honest. I was in first grade. They weren't high quality. They weren't like what you would find over at Jeffrey Bridges, Superman, Last Son of Krypton, and Supergirl, Last Daughter of Krypton. Those are top notch. This was just a kid playing with a tape recorder. But this was uh, also the year, I just think it was ma another major turning point that I, don't, I never got to touch upon. Because not only did I start recording stuff, and it was a hobby that I would play with, for years after that, my brother and I would sit down and make these funny radio shows, just something I enjoyed and would kind of, you know, kind of obviously segue into something else I enjoy, which is doing this show. But 
that same year, there was a choose-your-own-adventure-style Superman book that came out. And I guess, I guess technically the brand wasn't choose-your-own-adventure. What I have here, I pulled it up real quick. It's a DC Superheroes Which Way. It was by Andrew Helfer, which ironically brings us back to that Fisher-Price book from, from Krypton and Metropolis, in which Andrew Helfer actually was part of the voice cast as a young Lex Luthor. But that immersive experience on top of, you know, already being a fan, already wanting to be a part of that, just kicked it up a notch. Now, speed ahead a few years because my comic collecting wasn't really collecting. It was uh, reading trash. (laughs) They weren't kept in good shape. I don't think I really became a full-on collector and understood, you know, the, the hobby until I was about 14. But when I was about 9 or 10, uh, I would hang out at the American Legion Hall. And they had a what was going to be a gift shop. And I guess it went on donations and, of course, some uh, off some weird wholesale deal. But somebody donated this box full of comics. Now, it looks like, knowing what I know now, that they were probably uh, meant to be trash. Because none of them had covers. With a very, 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 very rare exception. But you would they were just full of these silver age superman books and uh marvel books uh for example the death of captain stacy was in that stack uh the death of jean gray well the first death before she became phoenix was in that stack and it just expanded what knowledge base i had and just really really began the path of fandom i kind of knew what i wanted to do i knew the type of characters that I was, you know, gravitating towards was the more altruistic good guy characters. And of course Superman would be at the top of that list. Now unfortunately, not all of my behavior in elementary school as a Superman fan was becoming. For example, I went to see Superman 4: The Quest for Peace in the theater and was quite blatantly reprimanded because when the scene came up where Superman repairs the Great Wall of China with his vision, I called out an expletive that I'm not going to repeat here. Keep in mind, I'm 9 or 10 years old, uh, maybe some bad influences, but I I had a flashlight put in my face and told not to uh, use such language. I was lucky I didn't get removed. So that kind of began my nitpickiness. (laughs) knowing what I knew from all those comics, watching the cartoons and that uh, from Krypton to Metropolis book, having at least that base of knowledge really kind of led to this show in which I nitpick on issues of Superman. Yeah. I'm going to call it what it is. And then of course I've told the story uh, of the greatest Superman stories ever told and why that book means a lot. I had seen this book on the shelves for quite some time at my local comic shop, which was a mind blower the first time I found it, because here I had no idea these existed. There was an entire shop full of comics. What a mind blower. I didn't have to go to the grocery store to get my stuff. But it had sat there. I don't know how long. Of course, the cover price was pretty steep. And eventually, one day, I did get that book. And as I've mentioned on here before, several times before, I was stuck at a local lake, which was about an hour. Well, it was about 30 minutes away from civilization, and newsstands or anything like that. So 
there I was, and I would just spend time on the dock reading this and rereading it, rereading it again, since the only other thing I had there was the Batman movie novelization. And that's a little bit more of a dense read. So that expanded my mind even more and just kind of like that moment where the kid opened the shirt, it laid it all out for me. I saw the world of Superman and it was huge, it was vast, it was full of wonder and what I call whimsy. And that was the world I wanted to live in. Unfortunately, not the world that I do live in. (laughs) Reality still pervades. So, speed ahead. I went through high school. Death of Superman happened, brought me back into the fold as I was starting to wander off, read some other books like X-Men, things like that. And, you know, I really didn't... I kind of fell out of the comic scene after high school for a little bit until one night... Superman the movie happened to come on A&E and it was like falling in love all over again with that movie, with that mythology, with everything I loved about Superman. And that really became part of me going on the internet and finding things like Superman super Sight. I didn't know people did fan sites. I didn't know these things existed. And here was uh, that Superman homepage, superman.nu. And I immediately decided I want to build one of these. Back in the late 90s and early 2000s, there was, our guest still is, a company called Homestead.com. And they would allow you to create uh, a kind of customized, not, it's more like uh, what Blogger would be today or something like that, or Angel Fire back then. You could just create your own site. Uh, They would have all the tools. It was really what you see is what you get. And you didn't deal with any server or anything like that. And I started to make what was known then as supermanforever.homestead.com. Now, I've said quite a few times that, or maybe I haven't, the the name of the site came less from the Alex Ross one-shot and more from the fact that I really liked the name Batman Forever and decided that since I liked Superman better, I just applied it. And just happened that Alex Ross agreed with me a couple of years later and released that one shot. And so this became supermanforever.homestead.com, which was kind of an inherited site because as I was, you know, rolling around the internet, just Googling Superman day after day, I was out of work at the time. It was fine. I came across a site where some piece of information, and I'm not really clear what, was a little off. And I kind of thought it over. Maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't. And I I emailed the administrator and said, this piece of information should be this. I don't mean to be a jerk or be nitpicky, but let's be realistic. I am. And he came back and said, you know what? You're right. Now I don't have time for the site. If you want it, you can have it. So I was able to transfer that whole site, which was pretty, pretty exquisite to be honest. And I transferred it over and it was very short lived (laughs) as I didn't maintain it. And actually, I wonder, yeah, I thought there might be an off chance that they haven't deleted it. And maybe you could hear the MIDI sound that I chose. It's pretty rocking. But anyway, that was the beginning of Superman Forever. Never, I kind of put it to the side, obviously. Never deleted it myself, but never worked on it. It was just out there doing its thing. And kind of moved on uh, to, you know, non-website work before wandering back to it in 2000. Five. I'm really thinking maybe I really want to do a Superman site. That would be really great. And this was right before I got married and right around the time I was beginning my 
what is now my current Superman collection. There had been a previous iteration before that that wasn't anywhere near as expansive as this is. But I ended up giving that away for personal reasons. Now, obviously I developed it at Tumblr just because I, I kind of put the Superman Forever on the side burner, wanted to do it, owned the, the domain name Superman, the number four ever, which ironically still is out there. You can still reach the site that way. But never, you know, started some vague work on it, but never really did anything. Went off to write my book. And when I came back to, you know, following, finishing that and having the extra free time, I, you know, kind of was kind of thinking about it, but I kind of put, put it off. I just, it was more work than I was ready to do at that time and kind of worked on my personal blog. But every time I would put something about Superman, I saw that that got a lot of response. So I started a Tumblr which I thought would be easier to maintain and was and suddenly found all this response and decided, you know, I've been a podcaster before. Why not? Why not jump, throw my hat in the ring? Now the evolution of the podcast is actually quite boring. I just thought to myself, I'm just going to talk about a topic. And so decided to see if I could come up with enough topics to fill a year's worth of episodes. And at this point I have touched barely half of my list because something usually comes up. So that is generally the secret origin of this particular podcast, which probably should have been in episode one. But the reason this book brought back so many memories was during that time, that first grade era, when I was really beginning to start my recording on that Fisher Price, really starting to get into this book, listening to it, reading it along again and again and again, there was this occurrence where my aunt made me this awesome Superman cape. Now, it wasn't quite true to form, because the cape was blue with red trim and kind of had a collared look, so it was more like a Captain Marvel-looking cape, but did have a stylized S on the back. And, well, I just couldn't wait. I had a Superman pullover hoodie, threw that on, threw the cape on, went out and jumped on my bike, and uh, just a tip, be careful riding a bike with a cape, because you will get yanked right off. Anyway, once I picked myself up and kind of learned how to stagger out the cape, I had this moment where <laughs> this little girl who and her grandfather, who lived next door to the apartment complex, there was a small uh, farm, not really a farm, but, you know, open area. And she had lost her ball over the fence. So the grandfather called out, Superboy, Superboy, help. Got to go over, give the ball back, and just kind of walked away. And I hear the little girl say, <gasps> there's his bike. And I felt awesome. I felt like I was Superboy for a moment. And that may be the biggest key to why I like Superman and kind of why I wanted to talk about this today is what draws me to Superman? What keeps me here? What has me coming back week after week doing a podcast and uh, kind of maintaining the site, so on and so forth, well, two podcasts even every day. And I think it was a matter of finding this book and happened to be thinking about what would, what would I regret if, you know, the end of the world did start this weekend. If we, if, if just on some off chance, it happened to be that time, what would I regret? And I don't have a lot. I think I would regret not going to Cleveland, not finishing the second book, which is still in progress, but, but I don't regret being a Superman fan. I don't regret the crap I took in high school. I don't regret the crap I take now. 
because I think for me, being a Superman fan is beyond just a character on a page, even though that it is. There is a sense of honor. There's a sense of hope. There's a sense of being able to do something more for you, you know, your neighbor. I mean, if you're watching your, the ideal would be if you're watching your neighbor, the guy to your right and watching out for his best interest, somebody on your left should be watching out for yours. I adhere to what I see as the potential of humanity. And I do that through, you know, Superman. I do that through what I have read. And I don't regret one moment of being a Superman fan. I don't regret the two Superman tattoos. I don't regret my Superman collection. And I don't regret, you know, what I do with this show. Not one bit. And there's not really much of a lesson to be taken from this rant. But it's my rant. I wanted to make this rant. And it's my podcast, so I decided to do so. And just kind of give you a little bit of a background, some of the high points in my career as a Superman fan. Another high point will be Metropolis, Illinois, the Superman Celebration 2011, June 9th through the 12th. This will be my second celebration, but my third trip to the to the Metropolis. I'm really excited to meet some new friends. I've got an itinerary that's starting to fill up. So uh, we'll talk about that more, not next week, but the week after that. And uh, until then, you know what, I'm going to sign off. I'm going to let this episode be what it is. But you know what, if you have Superman memories or sort of a a fun story or, uh, you know, a, a heart, uh, some sort of story from, you know, being a Superman fan, then uh, go ahead and email me or whatever you'd like to do. We do have the call-in line, which I need to get repaired. I'm having problems. I know that there's a voicemail out there. I'm having access problems. So if you were the person who left that voicemail, I will have that uh, fixed up and we'll have that voicemail on the show very quickly. So I do apologize. But... I will get back uh, on that. As I mentioned, I'm moving the site a little bit, upgrade, updating it, upgrading it, and updating it. So be sure and visit supermanforever.com. And once we get through with some of these more awkward, you know, just different episodes, uh, for example, next week's live episode, the Metropolis episode, look for some really great new things to come this way once we get everything combined. Uh, I'm going to be back this Thursday with a review episode for October 2007. And then that will be the last uh, by uh, twice weekly episode. And so after that, June 5th, we'll be back. It'll be a normal episode with reviews. And then we're going to do the Metropolis episode. So we're going through a weird time. But after we get through that, after the Metropolis episode, be sure and take a look. Uh, because I planned some very nice upgrades, some uh, some great stuff for the show notes, some great stuff for just the show in general, just a smoother overall feel. Uh, nothing drastic, sort of the same format, uh, maybe a different order, but we'll talk more about that later. And uh, as I mentioned, I'm not working with any notes. I just wanted to go off on this rant, just this wistful trip down memory lane. So I thank you all for joining me. This has been Superman Forever Radio, a production of supermanforever.com. As always, you can find the show and leave a review on iTunes or visit supermanforever.com. And of course, the show is a proud member of the Superman Podcast Network, where you can find other great Superman podcasts covering all eras of the Man of Steel at supermanpodcastnetwork.com. Drop the show an email at mail at supermanforever.com or follow the show on Twitter. The username is at superman, the number four, ever. Superman forever. And you, be, you can become a fan of the show on Facebook. Simply search for supermanforever.com and press the like button. Leave a voicemail at the call-in line, which is 703-95-SUPER. That's 703-957-8737. 
Superman and all related characters, the distinctive likenesses thereof, and related elements are trademarks of DC Comics, a Warner Brothers Entertainment Company. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only, and no profit is made from the images or related properties belonging to DC Comics or Warner Brothers Entertainment. Superman was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. Until next episode, keep on fighting the never-ending battle.